Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Quick note before I get started into the show, I wanted to provide two updates. The first is I'm going to be doing a CE talk with the Lone Star Vet Academy, where two race-approved CE hours on August 1st. It's about the seven deadly sins of veterinary medicine, talking about financial planning. And Dr. Jenny Rizzo was on the podcast in episode number 69. For those interested, my favorite thing about LSVA is it's obviously veterinarian-owned. It's a small business, and they donate a portion of every registration to help animals in need. So if you want to get CE, learn about finances, and listen to me talk for up to two hours, uh, head over to uh, LoneStarVeterinaryAcademy.com. Second, for the time being, the show is going back to being unsponsored. I don't know if you've noticed, um, but there was no ad read before, and there was no ad read before. Uh, a couple of other episodes as well. The previous sponsor was acquired and that put the relationship back on hold. I'm doing some deep thinking on if I want to have sponsors for the show or if I want to permanently make the show sponsorship free and allow listeners to maybe uh, help support the show in any way that they see fit. I'm going to keep thinking about it. I don't really know exactly what the right thing is. I've had some conversations and maybe I'll, I'll change my mind on it, but I want to continue to improve the show. Obviously, there's costs associated with it, but I'm going to make it happen. The show is not going to go away by any means. I can tell you it will always be free for you to consume. So with that, it is Saturday night. I'm going to release this uh, the next day. This is going to be a little bit of a rant of a, of a radio show, so stay with me, and uh, hopefully you get some value out of it. But as always, I love feedback, and I really, really appreciate when I get it. And so I got feedback about just topics really. And I really enjoy when people will join the Facebook group and, or will reach out via Instagram or LinkedIn. And so I want to read a little bit about the topic that was um, posed to me and it's helped bring on certain guests. I'm still working on getting other guests as well, but I think it's extremely important. So let me read that for you here for a second. Topic to consider for the podcast. Practice entrepreneurship is great in this vet med landscape, but where do we find the DVMs and staff? The smaller the clinic, the less bandwidth for recruiting new DVMs and the staff is already in an undersupplied market. Many DVMs, including new grads, are moving to become independent contractors slash relief vets so they can avoid being placed in a scenario where they're understaffed or have to cover for a clinic that has too few DVMs. It's hard to recruit new hires with such a competitive market. So again, I'm working on bringing on guests that are gonna give you more opinions and feedback on this because I think it's a huge topic that we need to, to dig into. And if you are interested and want more information, there are a couple episodes that are already done and I'd point you to those first and foremost. And if you are not an owner and you're an associate, you might be thinking like, mm, I'm just gonna skip this episode. I don't think it'll be that great. I would encourage you to keep listening. I think there's some things that you'll gain from this as we go through as well. So stick with me. First, Dr. David Bessler at Veg on episode 73. He talks about culture at length and there's no doubt in my mind, no doubt in my mind, the reason they're building a massively successful business points back to how they are obsessive about their core values, culture, and put their people above everything else. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Literally, take what David and team have done and put that and implement it in your business as well. It's not rocket science what they're doing. It's far from easy, though. It's not easy, but there is a deliberate and consistent effort and a lot of communication that goes into what Veg is building. And I think that is part of the call it the secret to their success because they are adding a ton of talent. I think there are a lot of veterinarians that I respect the hell out of that are joining their team. And there's a reason for that. It's because they see what's going on there and they're like, shoot, there's something special about veg. They're doing stuff differently. And leadership in veterinary medicine has been poor and we'll talk about it more as well, but it's a consistent theme in my conversations, both on the podcast and privately with clients and guests. Second, 
recent episode with Alyssa Mages on episode 94. You must train your people. You must empower your people and you must trust your people. I think Alyssa does a great job at explaining how the non-DVM staff need leadership and support as well. Oftentimes it gets forgot. I know in this question that was posed in the Facebook group does reference staff as well. So I think that's important to, to love on them and think about them as well. So on today's radio show, it's going to be me talking about recruiting, leadership, and building a team. I'm not going to tell anyone anything novel by saying there's not enough veterinarians out there in the marketplace for the positions and the demands that are available. This is the same true for techs, assistants, front desk, kennel team, or anyone else that I'm not mentioning. There are record job openings. So in the United States right now, there's 9.2 million job openings. Chick-fil-A in Noblesville, Indiana, which is where I live, is paying $17 an hour for you to come work. Inflation, which I've talked about and will continue to pound the table on, is here. Costs are going up. If you feel like you are getting squeezed and you're not seeing profitability, and yet you are busy and running around like you're chicken with your head cut off, you have to raise prices. It is not evil to raise prices. You're running a business. You need to pay your people. You need to take care of them. And you need to pay them a living wage or they're going to leave. I heard of a clinic losing two out of their three front desk as a cannabis dispensary um, locally was paying them double what they were earning at the vet clinic. So you're going to have competition. You have to pay your people, raise your prices appropriately. Like that, that is one way that you can offset that. And then maybe it doesn't feel good. Had a client recently, we've talked about this and there are ways, there are people out there that can help you set your pricing to make sure it's appropriate, that you're not gouging. You want to do things that are fair. I think fair is what is right. Don't just guess, but you know you probably can raise your prices. First, for those associates that are still listening, uh, A, I appreciate you. Um, but when you're negotiating your wages, my goodness, don't put up with a crappy situation if you are currently in a practice. The average wage, which is from the ABMA Economic Summit from last year, um, and I know averages are super dangerous, was the starting salary for a new DVM was 90000 Again, if you're a large animal, animal or equine, that's not going to necessarily be the case, but everyone you are in really high demand. So you should be treated well and paid accordingly. Uh, I've had conversations with people all over the country, wages that are not what I think are appropriate for their skill set, the amount of experience, the years that they put in at a certain clinic. So value yourself. I think the biggest mistake that veterinarians make is you don't value yourself. There are so many job opportunities out there, and I know it can seem scary, but if you're dramatically underpaid, you should have that conversation and first and foremost, you should have review meetings. If you're not having review meetings, hey, owners, make sure you have those. But as an associate, you should be able to be paid appropriately. And I've had guests on that have debated the production pro-sal salary. That's not what this discussion is. Find the right fit and the right culture. I think asking about tenure of staff, tenure of other people uh, on the team is super important as an associate. We all know finances are important, but money is not the only thing that's deciding factor for a lot of associates. Owners, the last thing I just said there, massively important. Money is not the only deciding factor. So figure out when you're talking to people what is most important to them. As a small business owner, you might not be able to match the benefits or income a corporate you know, practice is offering, but that doesn't mean you cannot recruit or retain your team. I'll use a personal example in our business, and I'll be vulnerable and share some examples and kind of walk through what I've seen in the conversations I've had. First, we were a growing but small registered investment advisor, or RIA. We've been super blessed and fortunate to have demand and inquiries for our service and be adding a lot of different clients, which in turn is causing us to hire and add to our team. Spoiler, uh, I am super excited to announce something later this year. It's hard to keep a secret, but it will very much be impactful to anyone that's listening to this show. So stay tuned. But we have hired in our smaller and similar to size of maybe a solo or two doctor you know, veterinary hospital. And so 
I think the secret here is we are not, as, a, as an RA, paying the most, but we are still getting fantastically talented people. Why? So they've traditionally worked at larger corporate type of names, household names that you probably would be familiar if I rattled them off, but I'm not going to because I don't want to get my hand slapped or someone to get upset with me. But what they tell me is that they feel like their job is either boring, they don't believe in it, they feel like they're being asked to do things that they don't you know, truly think is in the best interest of the clients that they're working with. Now they're paid well, they're paid better than what we're able to pay them initially. Um, but for us, it's explaining to them, you know, this is how we do things. This is why we do things. And people care first and foremost about what you are doing. They want to know who you are as an individual. Yes, they need to satisfy their lifestyle or living needs, but narratives matter. We as humans connect and relate to stories. It's like the oldest thing in our history, right? Like go way, way, way back in time. How was history passed down before there was written word? It was all stories. The human brain is built to relate to stories and analogies and different things. So your team needs to understand why you do what you do and how they can play a role in there. Make sure they understand like, hey, this is the perfect fit here. This is what I'm looking for. I recently had Adam Greenbaum on from Whisker Cloud, but think about how you can market your practice and who you are to other doctors. Vet men is a small world. People know if you've run off three associates or if you're toxic and run your staff around like crazy. I had a doctor recently that found out, found a new staff member purely by having another one of his team vouch for him to a friend that was unhappy with where she was working and about how great it was to work with him. Again, the key word there is with, not for. It was working together. She's not an owner, but she felt like, hey, doc does such a great job. You have to come work with us. He treats us great. And he goes above and beyond and tries to make sure that he has a relationship with everyone. He's not paying her more. She has the exact same wage, this new hire, not getting any more pay. Again, pay is not always the answer, but she's been a fantastic fit and, and been super helpful in a very competitive and hard time to hire. As, as again, the, the post says, like it's not just DVMs, it's also staff. Be open about your flaws. No one's perfect and no one is going to believe you if it's all rainbows and butterflies anyways. Tell the truth, be authentic, and be you. That goes for an associate as an interviewee and a, as well as an owner during interviewing. You're doing no one a service by not being genuine. I'm the first one to tell you, new advisor joining our team, I'll tell them, hey, our process and training has changed. We've learned from the two other advisors that we brought on earlier on. We made mistakes. We didn't do a good job on this point, this point, this point. This is how we fixed it. This is what we're building. We use a tool called Notion, and it's kind of like our second brain. And so we use Notion and have everyone on the team be able to be involved with Notion and then store as much data and as much information as we can in there because that for us is like our library. And so for us, we have our training in there. And when someone gets hired, they're going through the exact same things every single time to make sure that they're trained the same way and thinking about things in, in a manner that is consistent as far as outcomes for our clients. Now, am I asking someone to be me? Am I asking our new hires to say, hey, you need to be just like Isaiah? No, I tell them, I want you to be you because we hired you because we think you're unique, we think you're special, we think you can help us, that you're gonna bring a skill set that we don't have today and we need you as an individual to join our team and help make us better. So I'm not asking them to change, I'm saying at, at, at the highest level, this is the key things that we need to do and then make it your own. And I think that's so important, the idea of hiring good people and then empowering them to do their job. It's critical. Like why else are you hiring people if you're gonna micromanage and, and hang out and like float above them all day? 
hire good people, get out of their way and let them do their work. I can already hear, so the issue is time. I don't have time or maybe the ability to hire. Well, you need to sit down and understand and know who and what you need, not the position, but know the type of person. Who's gonna flourish in the environment that you have? Who's gonna be successful? Who works well with you? And maybe more importantly is who would be a terrible fit? And instead of spending a ton of time and energy to find out that you're oil and water, just be very transparent. Like, this is my style. This is how we work. And if you're not like this, let them self-select out. Don't try to, you know, square peg round hole with a potential hire when you're desperate. If I was an owner, again, if I was a, a veterinarian today, I would still be using social media to build a presence and a brand, not only to attract new patients and clients, but future doctors. I'm one of the worst millennials on Instagram. I fully own that. I am terrible. But understanding that 80% of the young veterinarians are women and Instagram is the number one social media app for them and where they're spending time, it's a great place to connect with them. You can recruit by investing in people and reaching out whether in school, offer to help, offer to have them come by the hospital or clinic, leverage your alma mater. I've seen some great events in the world of dentistry here locally at Indiana University where they have like a speed dating event with local practice owners and fourth year students. Patterson Dental has put it on, but you could recreate this by reaching out to your VBMA chapter and volunteering to get involved and ask other you know, veterinarians in the, the local area that you uh, like and know that need help as well and are looking for people and do something like that. I understand the natural reply is going to be, I don't have time, but if you don't hire staff or DVMs, you won't, you really won't have any time and your business won't grow and you're going to get yourself in more trouble. There has to be priorities. I don't, I'm not going to claim to walk a day in your shoes. I can't because I've never done it, but I will tell you I'm busy too. And a lot of times when I say I don't have time, it's more of a priority. So if this is a priority and this is a struggle, like you have to say, this is at the top of my list. I'm going to cultivate these relationships. I'm going to be proactive to make sure that hey, even if I'm in a good spot right now and I just got the right hire, if we're going to grow and this is where I'm going, then I'm not going to get in the same spot where, oh my gosh, everything's breaking because I don't have the right people. Because what the question was about is understaffed. And you're going to run off good people if you're understaffed. And hell no, no one wants to come in and be worked to death and you know, in a crappy situation all day, every day. That No one's going to stay for that. So I don't think it's right to expect people to. But leadership in veterinary medicine is lacking. And I would say it's downright awful, candidly. I wish I could share some of the confidential conversations I've had of what's going on and what I hear about. But if, you're, if you tell a tech or a young DVM that you're going to mentor them and you mean it, and anyone else on your team, and help them grow professionally, you are going to be different. And you have to mean it. But that's how you get someone full-time and not doing relief work and not wanting to be committal. Now, words are cheap. You need to have a process and a system of how you're going to do that. But explain it to them. You need to give them your time, like actually invest in that person. Now, I've had a solo doctor that she struggled in a rural area to retain people. She's an amazing doctor, great person, and she has gone over and above to invest in her people, and she still sees turnover. You cannot get discouraged. There's still going to be times where people leave. It's not always perfect. It's not foolproof. You have to be authentic. You have to communicate. And you have to be consistent. That, to me, is how you can retain and attract talent. To answer the question about being understaffed, as a leader and as an owner, you have to own your shit. Period. Plain and simple. You cannot expect other people to sacrifice forever and not be burned out and run down and just be done with it. It is likely happening to you as well. But as an owner, you cannot expect someone else that's a non-owner to continue to bust their butt if they don't have equity in the business. That's not fair. They're not seeing the same upside that you do. You have to set the tone. You have to be the one that is continuing to 
to be the hardest worker. And a lot of you are, and I know that, and that's not a fair thing to say that you're not doing that. But if the team sees that culture, they're going to follow you. And it can be like, hey, we're in this together. But if you're running your team harder than you're running yourself and you are asking them to do things that you're not doing, you're being hypocritical and you need to own that. And that's really what I'm talking about. Because I have heard stories, again, going back to conversations that I've had, I hear about it. And that to me is a big issue. You should never be asking someone else to work harder than you are. And I'll go back and use the example of my partner and I, like we're not asking anyone to to work more, take more calls, do any of the extra stuff. Like we'll do all that because again, at the end of the day, we are the ones that took the entrepreneurial risk, but we will also get the entrepreneurial reward at the end if we do our job right. And so we have to go over and above more than what anyone else on the team is, is asking for more time, more effort, more conversations than, than what they're doing, right? Like that's, that's what we have to do. And then that shows that that's the culture. That's the vision. That's, you know, the expectations that are there and people understand that and they either like it and they, they believe that and they start to adopt it or they're not going to be the right fit. And that's equally as beneficial. We've been very blessed and fortunate to have the right type of people on our team and not always, right? Like you have to coach them. If you see them not doing and performing up to expectations, sit them down, have a hard conversation, but you don't need to treat them poorly. If you're going to verbally abuse or tear people down, they're never going to stay. You start doing that, people are going to be like, hey, this person doesn't care about me anymore. It's personal attacks. It's not, if they question that, they're already leaving. They don't care anymore. Like you can't do that, but you can have hard conversations and challenge them and say, hey, this was the expectation. You know it. This is what we have to do. And I'm not seeing it. And then ask them what's going on. Maybe there's things that you don't know about. Maybe there's personal things that they're not sharing. Like build that relationship so that there's trust there, that they know you care. That is super important. And we just had one of these conversations on our team. Again, I talk about I'll be vulnerable. Like we have a, a team member that they, he just had twins and they already have two small children prior and it's hell for him. And he, he told us that like he, he's really frustrated. He's not happy with where he's at. And we knew that he was taking some time off, but it's like coming back is still hard. It's really hard. And, you know, for us, we're frustrated and we talked about it, but we shared with him, Hey, we care. We know that you're dynamic. We know that you're a huge part of our team what's going on. We're here to help. Just let us know, communicate with us so we can help you more. Like we're willing to go the extra mile for you. Let us know. And like that goes a long way instead of us coming on and, you know, yelling and getting mad at him and all this other stuff. That's not beneficial. Like that's not building the team. That's not building the relationship that's going to help go the extra mile in the future because what we're doing and it, it is truly genuine. This is not, you know, puppet master above all of it. It's like, you have to mean it. You can't just do it because you think that you're going to be able to make some sort of change on that person and manipulate the situation. No, you have to like genuinely care about the human. But as a leader, you have to get to know your people and what motivates them and drives them. Now I'm a weird bird and I like a variety of different uh, like assessments. My partner places a little less weight on it, but I like any new hires to take them, at least take one of them as I like to ensure I know how they work best and how to support them. So when you do have those hard conversations, you kind of know what makes them tick. And there are two that I would suggest as an associate or heck as just an individual person. I think it's important to understand your drive. I do know that there's some people that are non, non vets, non working, they work in and kind of around the veterinary medicine space, but aren't maybe in the, in clinical practice. I think these are both great. The first is the disc profile. I'll have it in the show notes, but Tony Robin actually has a, like a freemium version of this. You don't have to pay for the extra one. Just make sure you unsubscribe from his uh, barrage of emails. But the goal of DISC is to deepen your understanding of yourself and others. 
DISC is an acronym that stands for the four main personality profiles described in the DISC model, dominance, influence, steadiness, and conscientiousness. You have to get a natural self and a work self. So you'll get like this response that's like, this is how you naturally are, and this is how you kind of are around other people. And sometimes people change from personal to professional, and that's normal. And that can get tiring and wear people out. And I think that's super important to understand that with people is, okay, are they, are they the same person here? Are they going to try to make changes because they think that's what they have to be? I personally am fortunate that I'm the same guy, better or worse, right, for everyone around me, the same personally as I am professionally. Like what you see is what you get. There's nothing that I'm going to hide. It's just this is Isaiah. And not everyone's that way. And so it's important to understand kind of how people are wired. The second one is the Colby. And it is a a co-native assessment. It takes less than 20 minutes. And the results are um, called a method of operation. So again, I'm trying to throw in some like clinical cool things to impress you all. But really what I like about Colby is it identifies people's instinctive talents or strengths. It explains them and analyzes how they align with tasks and other people and offers practical solutions for putting them into practice. So it helps with how do they best work? How can you reduce stress? And how can you improve personal interactions with them? And so I think that's really great. And there's kind of four distinct action models is what they call it. So fact finder, which is how they gather and share information, follow through, which is how they organize quick start, which is how do they deal with risk and uncertainty? And then how do they implement, how do they handle space and, and, and tangent sorry, tangibles. So implementation of stuff is super important. If you ever want to get a better understanding of you, uh, I think the, the free disc profile on a $50 spend on the Colby or money well spent, um, I think that is really, really important. And I like it because it helps me understand the people that I've had conversations with. I feel comfortable. Hey, we're going to you know have this person on the team, but how are they wired? When, when you know things hit the fan, how can we have conversations that are going to be best approached from their perspective? And I think that's important. And so this is a topic that I cannot and do not have all the answers on, right? Like this is more of a free-flowing thought process of where I'm at and how I look at leadership, what we've done, how I think about it. Pay and benefits are important. And I've had conversations where people said, well, you know what? That's you know way too much of a pay cut. I'll never do it. But I will tell you, people that have joined our team have taken a pay cut. The last three hires have taken a pay cut. And there's a certain amount of money that matters in life but then it becomes less and less from there. And then for us, it's like selling, telling them and explaining to them, hey, this is where we're at today. Because again, we're a small growing business, but this is where we're going to get you. And this is the roadmap of how we're going to grow and you're going to grow with us. We understand that they're taking a risk joining us. And you can do the same thing as a, as a you know, private practice clinic owner. Say, hey, I get that you know, the easy decision and maybe the more comfortable one is all the benefits, all the things up the road at that corporate location. But we're growing. This is the vision. This is the roadmap that we're on. This is how we're going to do things. I truly believe that if you have a narrative around who you are, but again, be self-aware. So understand who you are. Um, talk about why you do things, what you stand for, and share that with cl- like with clients and patients. It'll help for marketing and for growth, but also with recruiting, and you'll see a difference. There's no magic formula, you know, course, three-step program that's going to crack the code because people are all going to be unique and different, and you're going to be unique and different. So attracting the right people and then investing in them to keep them, pay them a living wage, pay them well. I think that's more so on the staff side. Um, if you are too busy, think about raising your prices. Again, it is not a sin to raise your prices so you have cash flow to pay your people because it'll go a long way, especially the frontline folks. Pay them more. Invest in them. Make sure because when you lose that person, 
that's going to be a bigger drag in your revenue than, you know, paying them an extra, you know, couple dollars an hour. I promise you that. Celebrate victories in life together. Be open, have hard conversations, protect your people from a-holes that come into your hospital or clinic and treat them poorly. Like stand up for them. Don't allow people to, you know, abuse them that are coming in. I don't care how much they pay. I don't care if they've been, a, you know, a client for years. Like you need to stand up to those people and tell them that's not acceptable. In the same way with staff internally, if you have someone that's a bully on your team and that treats other people like crap, I don't care how long they've been there. I don't care if it's a family relation. I don't care. Get rid of them. That's a cancer. That's going to destroy your team. And I cannot tell you how many times I've heard that. So you have to be aware and not cower behind someone that's not an owner in making a decision. If you're the owner and you're afraid to fire someone, that's a problem. So if you have the ability to have equity and hire people and make those decisions, you have to be able to let people go that aren't treating your team well. And sometimes that's internal. Sometimes it's external. I'm beyond optimistic for veterinary medicine in the future. Yes, there can and there will be a thriving private practice model if I'll have anything to do with it. If you're listening to this and you want to own something in the future, you can do it, right? I love talking to anyone about veterinary medicine, especially those that want to be practice owners. So don't be shy. Reach out. Ask questions. Tell me what you need as far as content. I want to make sure that you have that in your hands. I want everyone to be successful, right? So let me hear your feedback. If you think I'm full of crap, tell me. That's great. If you think it's helpful, that's great too. Obviously, that's nice to get good feedback. But if it's negative or there's questions on anything I talked about tonight, um, let me know. Like I think that will just help with the dialogue. I'll come back with more leadership content in the future. This is not the last time I'll have a conversation like this. And I think it's important that this is like one of the most important missing ingredients in veterinary medicine today, I think, is the leadership element. There's just a lot of things that are lacking. And it's a huge opportunity to create fantastic businesses where you can have a great team and make an impact on the people that you are fortunate enough to work with. And so for me, that's really special. And I want to do what little part I can play in that. So also, if you've never reached out and want to, don't hesitate. I love to hear from people. I'm happy to jump on a call, chat through questions or thoughts, especially if you want to talk about Bitcoin, right? Like you've heard me in my thoughts there. So if you ever have questions, seriously, any of that stuff, let me know. If I'm too busy or can't take the call right now, I will let you know, but I will get to it. And I promise you that I am happy to uh, spend some time. And it's always great to hear from folks that listen to the podcast. So with that, that is where I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening. And again, if you need CE, I would highly, highly recommend uh, signing up for that CE. I think it'll be enjoyable. It's going to be practical and uh, should be some fun as well. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review. That'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.